On this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood, the paranormal podcast from Alison and Dominic Zenden. On this episode, we're going to answer all of your questions. We've had a load of them come in over the last couple of weeks talking about such diverse areas as invisibility, poltergeists, life after death, the things that you may be interested in personally that I've made my lifetime studying and actually researching. So today we're going to talk the paranormal and we're going to talk about your questions and try to give you some answers or even just some information about what it is to be able to look at things objectively. So stay tuned to this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood. This episode of Twisted and Misunderstood, I'm going to be answering some of your questions. We've got a whole heap of them, and Alison's here to just give me the questions, and we'll see what answers come out. So, Alison, if you'd like to ask the first question, please. Yeah. The first question is from Luanne from Belgium. She wants to know, is there a heaven and a hell? Well, <laughs> nothing sort of major then. <laughs> it's it's a it's a big big question, isn't it? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? I think it's where people' perception of things are, because there may not be an actual heaven, there may not be an actual hell, and it may be that nobody judges us, but we are all judging ourselves. And some people might say that Earth is hell coming to have to live a life, go through all the emotional stresses and strains, could well be that hellish place that we think of as hell, being held in, a place where you have to have a mortal life time and time and time again. It could come into all sorts of things like reincarnation and past lives. So hell might just be a concept to get people fearing that things that they have to be good. And it goes back quite a long way into the medieval Bibles and to the literature that people have actually given out about um, hell. And it's there to make people behave well. Now, maybe there's another part to it as well, because heaven may well also not be a real place. Why would there be a holding place for energy or for lifetimes or for people that are in that situation i can't see where that would come in because I'm, i don't believe in time i think that time is just man-made 
it's the rotation of the earth around the sun and so on so whilst we're living on this planet we might live to how we divide time into it but i don't think that we actually have lots of different existences into one spiritual existence i think that when we actually complete one lifetime then the possibility is that we get reincarnated back into the next lifetime pretty simultaneously of having to do that so it may not be about a heaven it may not be about a hell it may be about how we judge our own lives and what our own needs are so we can progress in a spiritual way so we learn about how we feel and how we see and compassion and empathy they may be the major issues in our existence and those existences become more and more and more connected the more lifetimes that we actually experience and maybe the different planets we experience those lifetimes on it's been well documented that there's little blue planets around nearly every star in the sky that's only the last sort of 20 years that we've actually discovered that so if there's lots of little blue planets out there that can actually hold intelligent life and intelligent life is likely to be very very consistently scattered throughout many of the galaxies and many of the universes then why would there be just one place for people just to stay and wait that doesn't make sense what it would make sense is that our existences are continuous and we're just a conscious energy and that's really what i believe to be more likely than just a heaven and a hell hope that explains it i hope that hasn't gone into too much detail no thank you for that um ashley ashley r from the uk wants to know why do so many psychic mediums ask questions surely <laughs> surely they should just give the information <laughs> yeah okay so why do we ask so many questions ashley no i'm only kidding right <laughs> i'm only kidding i think that there is a real train of thought that mediums should not ask questions if you go and sit with a medium and they turn around and say that you're intimidating them or you're not being able to link with you because you're not answering their questions i don't think they're that good i think there are people that believe they can do mediumship but all they're doing is turning around what you're saying to them and, and giving it back to you so psychic mediums if they're asking you questions don't sit with them just don't it, it doesn't work it isn't that way when you're clairvoyant or clairaudient what you get is you get the voices in your head which is quite weird isn't it because that makes you a bit of a schizophrenic and you also see visions so you see pictures and images that are given to you now i believe that as a medium you pick that up from the imprint of the atmosphere so when people go into spirit their energy still remains on this plane of that lifetime and it quite often will remain around the loved one so what a medium would be doing is picking up that energy and giving you that information and it's up to you what you do with that information the medium does not need to know if you're looking at it as proof of, a, of an afterlife well you may have to think about that or reconsider that and not stretch it quite as far because the fact is that life is eternal and we never die it's life after life but each lifetime is concurrent 
so we live many many lifetimes but each lifetime that we live we are living it as an individual and that individual will leave an imprint on the surroundings the people the things that that person's done during their lifetime and that's the information i believe that mediums are picking up on and if a medium starts to ask you questions like who is who is ted or who is michael or what is this i'm feeling about a bag of marshmallows like i heard recently that's a question and it should be turn around well you tell me because if you're picking that up i want to know where that's come from i want to understand if i tell you where it's come from then you could just be guessing so always think of it at that level good mediums would never ever ask questions right thank you um julie julianne from france wants to know what is cell memory ah that's an interesting question thank you um cell memory it's the it's the thought that the mind isn't everything that controls the body that um in every cell of our body we have um, little structures that record everything that happens to us. So literally in our DNA. So for instance, every cell of your body has a recall of your life, your achesic records, everything that you've ever done. And that's really what cell memory is. Now, the best example of this is things like transplanted organs. When people have a transplant, they will they will receive somebody else's heart, somebody else's liver. And there's quite a few documented cases, for instance, of a, a lady that had the heart of a young guy who got killed in a motorcycle accident. And when she woke up, she was absolutely you know, fine. But she started developing a part chance for lager and for games, you know, computer games. Now, was she picking up? the actual motorcyclists um, likes in life. The other thing that was really strange about that case was that she dreamt about the guy's name, who's actually given her his organs to actually help her in her life. So that would actually say that the things that we have in our body doesn't make the brain the center of every consciousness, every conscious thought, and that in every part of us, is a memory of who we are in that particular lifetime and that's where the, the theory from cell memory comes because who's to say where the consciousness is based who's to say where the soul is based who's to say what the soul actually is and if the soul is a recording device for all the experiences everything that you do what would it not be for it to be a part of the whole of the body it wouldn't make sense just to store all that vital information just in the brain just in the in the head because that wouldn't really give it any sort of variety or any backup so everything that we have in our body has a cell memory and every cell has the ability to store all the information that we gather in our this lifetime and i think the soul brings it all together and so in our soul memory, which is a little bit different to cell memory, we actually have a correlation of every lifetime that we've ever lived, whether it be on this planet or another planet, every situation we've ever occurred. And I don't believe in time, which means that they are before. So you have regressive thoughts that go back in past lives and you have progressive 
lives, which are future lives, which opens a whole new area where we can explore. Because if we can think that if we can actually progress ourselves forward and access that cell memory, then everything that we're going to experience, we've already experienced. So that actually takes out all the tarot readers, all the mediums, everything, because we can do it for ourselves. We just got to understand it and access it. For instance, if you've got a big decision to make, what would stop you accessing your cell memory or your soul memory in order to see what you've done previously? It's quite a thought, isn't it? I hope that answers your question. One from Roger from London in the UK. In your in your opinion, what are orbs? Ah, okay. What are orbs? Okay, what are orbs? Good question, Roger. Um, I think that they are a, a multiple of things. I think first of all, they become very popular with digital cameras, where people are picking up rays of moisture or little dots of um, dust in the atmosphere, which I think are a part of digital cameras. I think they 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 reflect a lot more light back into the pictures, but. The real orbs that you see, the ones that are the size of an orange, they are something a little bit different. They have more of an intelligent feel to them. And they're not always out there for people to be able to capture on film. But if you see a real orb, a proper orb that moves around intelligently, what you're actually seeing is intelligent plasma. Now, intelligent plasma would be ball-shaped. It has its own ability to think and to see, and it also has its ability to travel at the speed of light. And these in balls of intelligent plasma could well be extraterrestrial. They could well be our soul out of body. Because if you think about it, if the soul can go out of body, like in out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, what would stop the soul being just a, a round ball of plasma? That would make a lot of sense. Energetically, it would anyway, because it can actually be very flexible, very mobile. It can go anywhere. And also the fact that we are eternal. We can travel. We can go wherever we want. It's just a case of being able to think where we want to be. And if we can think it, we can experience it. Now, that's what I think an orb is. I think it's a extraterrestrial and terrestrial energy that can travel fast distances. Don't get fooled by what people say are orbs, because there's so much you know talked about it with light caught on camera or little little round um, circles on, on your films. The way to tell when you look at your film is to see that the plasma ball is absolutely circular when you look at reflections of light and dust what you will see is you'll see the either hexagon shaped or they can be massive in shape but not not round not circular so have a look the the real orbs that we experience are very very bright and they are very real um, i've had um, interviews with people that have woken up at night and the room's been lit up by an orb. Now, you would certainly notice that, and it's quite a big distance, but it's something to be able to work out what the experience of seeing an orb is to what the experience of looking at a digital camera. So 
Think of it as an intelligent plasma when it's bright and when it's round and the fact that it could probably travel, traverse the universe. Great. Um, <clears throat> there's one more on orbs, um, if I can just fit that in. Yep. From Lucy from Bournemouth. She's put, I am a twin. I have a twin sister and she often sees orbs. She explains orbs to me. And since a relative died, she's seen this particular bright orb. But I haven't. Can you explain why? Yeah, it may just be purely that the orbs are attracted to your twin sister, Lucy. You know, the, there's the things that we perceive. You think that your your sight perception, your hearing perception is only a very small part of the spectrum of what we actually is out there. So, for instance, what you see and what your twin sister may see may be two different parts of the spectrum. We are all different. We all vibrate on different levels. And, for instance, just because you're twins doesn't mean to say you're the same. You may look the same, but you may actually think and act and actually be totally different in personalities. So a lot of it comes down to where we are, first of all, and in our minds, what our perception is. So what do we think an orb is and where do we think we're likely to experience one? Do we believe in them? Does our belief structure allow us to understand them in that way? And you I mean, I'll be wanting to experience it. You may not want to experience it as much as your sister. So she might notice it far more than what you would. So it may well be that it's there that you just do not actually experience it the same way as your twin. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Perception is a big thing. And how we actually perceive stuff really matters. And I think that we start off with everything in spirit is a thought. So if we think something, we actually start to experience it because we're becoming aware of it. But when we don't really think about it, we're not aware of it, so we're likely to miss it. I hope that answers your question, Lucy. In part two, we're going to talk about aliens. We're going away and you're invited too. If you want to come and spend a day, an evening, a morning with us, we can arrange that right now. The Twisted and Misunderstood Paranormal Podcast is going to be at a retreat in a small village in Cambridgeshire, England. If you want to come and stay, you can perfectly do that. But you must let us know because places are very limited we try to keep any sort of um, courses and workshops, masterclasses to a very few so we can all have 
a really good time connecting and making the most of some time together. So if you want to know more, come on to my Facebook page, which is Dominic J. Zenden, or email me at auraprofiling at gmail.com. Email auraprofiling at, e at gmail.com. That's the address that you should just send me a little inquiry, and I will write back and share with you how much it would cost, the criteria, what we're going to do, and what you expect to achieve by coming. It's, uh, it's a really nice, fun, relaxing time and a really peaceful country location. And I think you'll have a lot of fun with us. So just come on. If you want to know anything about any of the activities that we're planning for this year ahead, 2021, now that we're not so restricted, again, come on to my email and just drop me a, a quick email. Say, can you send me details of courses and workshops? And I can do that for you. And then you never know. In the next few months, we could be meeting up and we could be discussing such things as shadow ghosts and alien life and past lives and does life exist after death? All that sort of stuff that we, we do at our, our master classes. So look forward to meeting you. Welcome back to the Twisted and Misunderstood Paranormal Podcast with myself, Dominic Zenden, and Alison Zenden asking your questions. We have a whole heap of questions from all over the world to answer today, and I hope that you will find it very interesting talking about some of the things that we get to discuss nearly every single day. There's some fascinating subjects. So have you got another question, Alison? Yes, we're going to go on to aliens here. Um, Joe from Brighton in the United Kingdom asks, have you ever communicated with an alien? If so, how? Okay, well, I mean, the, the many, many choices of question there, Joe. I think that aliens are amongst us. I think they live in our society. I think they have little um, houses and places where they observe us and watch us and really know what we're doing. Um, I've, I've come across a few aliens in my time that it may sound a bit outlandish, but when I was 18, I was sat in a hotel in London, England, and I was just waiting for, to meet somebody. And across the room from me was a guy who had a very different aura. I mean, I, I've been seeing auras ever since I was very young. And this guy had a really white aura. And in my head, I decided to say to him, if you're an alien, please scratch your nose. And when I said that, he scratched his nose. So it was telepathic communication that seemed to work where it came to it. Yeah, I would love to say there was a happy ending to the story, but I was so scared I ran off down the road. It was it was really quite intimidating because 
it was the last thing I was expecting. And sometimes you're not really prepared for what may come back when you do something, which is a good lesson. Always be prepared to actually receive something back. Don't just do it because you you want to just play, you know, play devilment. Do it because you're really, really interested and, and see what happens. So that was the case. Um, there was another time later on in my life when I was in Malta and we were just sat in Valletta um, on a wall waiting for, I think, something to, a shop to open or something to happen. And we saw this, this woman walk past me. And again, I said to myself, you know, uh, out loud in my thoughts, are you an alien? And she just looked me straight in the eyes, did a little curtsy and walked on. It was just amazing. It was just a really strange thing. And I've now sort of come to believe that there are aliens a lot in our society and they're, you know, right throughout the world, you can come across an alien being. It's just recognizing it. And if you want to learn to recognize aliens, first of all, you've got to know what they look like because they're very similar to us, a lot of them. You know, there's also the tall whites, which Charles Hall talks about. Look Charles Hall up. He'll tell you about the tall whites. And also there's a, there's a few other groups of aliens. But the most common thing that I notice with an alien is that they're very light auras. I mean, human beings have very dark colored auras in comparison, whereas aliens are very light colored auras. And if you learn to read an aura, which you can do in my book, um, Aura Life in 4D, you may be able to pick out the aliens sat next to you on the bus. So aliens do communicate. I think they communicate the same as we do vocally. I think they communicate telepathically. And I think they're very, very much more advanced than we are in the way that they think and the way their conscious mind is. And they're out there. So go and discover them. Go and find out your own alien experiences, Joe. And I hope you can actually enjoy doing that. Thanks. The next one is from Ellie May from Wisconsin, USA. Um, do aliens visit us on Earth for a purpose, from other dimensions? And how long, in your opinion, do they stay here? Okay, well, I mean, sure, they, they visit. Sure, they stay here. There's um, lots of thought about them having many undersea bases um, throughout the world. There's um, apparently big bases in California. There's another one in Alaska. You know, that I know of personally. I also think there's one near Malta, which is the, the deepest um, seaport in the world you know, around there. I think that they, they do live in the oceans. You know, we only know literally 5% of our oceans. We've only explored 5%. We know more about space than we know about the water on our planet and where it is. So I do think there are alien bases in that way. So, yes, they do come in that way. And, yes, they do stay. And, yes, they do do a lot of things like research, interact. I think they're very much a part of how we think. I think they put their ideas to us. I think that they're probably responsible for starting religions right away across the, the world in different cultures. There's maybe different alien bases and different cultures have been taught different religious ferment by, by aliens. I also believe that they come here for tourism and also probably to experience um, things like what you would do if you went to a a different planet where you would want to experience what it was like to live amongst a different culture or a different um, race of beings. And they can probably see a little bit about 
where we are to where they have been and experience those things. So there's also other more, you know, little bits of sinister stuff going on with the cattle mutilations that you get in, in Texas and across America where they're dissecting cattle, maybe also dissecting people. You know, that's a, another thing. They're, they're here to sort of look at us in a genetic way. And a lot of um, theories out there, I don't really want to spread rumors because I don't know that they're true, but there's things like um, emotion is a very human-based thing that they're trying to understand the emotional status of, of people. But there's also psychological understandings and teachings, you know, coming to teach us stuff and try and get us through this this self-destructive period of our of our history. So we become a, a class two civilization, which is, you know, spacefaring, where we can go from the planet. And part one, you know, is a is a planet which has got extra, you know, sensitive and intelligent life on. Then part two is where you go into space and you can start to become interplanetary species. So we're just learning about this stuff right now. In the last 30 years, we've actually started to accept that in our own galaxy, there's likely to be thousands of Earth-like planets, thousands of civilizations that are intelligent. The only thing that we have to figure out is how long do they last? Do intelligent civilizations on other planets, do they burn out really quickly? Do they destroy themselves with their own technology or do they come through that and keep going? Now, the fact that alien life has been on this planet and spotted on this planet, even if you look at the videos that you can see with the, the Tic Tac and the gimbal and the things released on the um, aircraft carrier Nimitz in, in 2015, you notice that the technology they have way outlasts or way expands where we are right now. It makes us look like Stone Age men. But in a very nice way, it understands that that technology has been created over maybe thousands, millions of years longer than what we've been in existence, which gives me a lot of hope that extraterrestrials have survived going through the phases that we're going through and they haven't destroyed their planet. Now that they're out there and they're probably coming in to help us do the same. So I think that the main cause of alien visitation is to help us create and to get through and to teach us this, this energy, teach us that we can actually survive and join the cosmos because there may be a time in the future where we become part of a, a huge intergalactic planetary association now wouldn't that be amazing that we could get there incredible incredible okay. um there is another question but it's very much linked to the one that you've just talked about but I mean, we might be able to add a little bit richard from vancouver asks i've heard of different dimensions but can you please explain where these dimensions actually are okay this is string theory richard and if you look up string theory which has been you know, greatly touted. It actually says that different dimensions literally vibrate at different frequencies. So the range of frequencies go out a lot further and a lot closer than we actually realize. So everything has a different vibrational field, a bit like an onion. If you peel an onion, you get 
one skin wrap around another skin wrap around another so you get lots of lots of layers and that's basically what dimensions is it's lots of layers throughout different areas now we live in a three-dimensional world we have the the height the depth and the width that's three dimensions and most of us see in 3d yeah, so we we get a depth to our vision and we get a height and a, and a width but with planetary aspects to different dimensions there's different vibrations that different entities live on so they may be invisible to us because we don't vibrate at their level but they can vibrate at our level they can come through and visit our zones our our dimensions so it could well be that because we're seeing them and i think that you I mean you've only got to look up um dr jonathan reed and his um time traveler that he bumped into that he said was a different a creature from a different dimension and that's quite well documented his story on the little alien in the freezer that you you can listen to on here on podcast the the interesting part about that was he had with him this this little little alien this this machine that he put onto his arm and he switched dimensions and apparently he didn't get a chance to switch dimensions before jonathan reed's dog got hold of his arm and although the alien killed the dog he couldn't get away from jonathan reed and jonathan reed actually hit him with a big stick to try and get him off the dog and probably knocked him unconscious as much as we understand that but that story talks about an interdimensional being now i believe that we've probably got much much more to learn about interdimensions and the creatures that live in them and the rounds of things like shape-shifting and invisibility which all come into this sort of area because what's stopping there being um dimensions where creatures can change shape can change form can be invisible and all these things that bring that to mind show me that there's far more than what we experience through sight and through sound and through hearing right okay um debbie in cornwall in the united kingdom we're going on to ghosts now says i once took several photographs in an old haunted house and on one particular photograph a man's face appears behind my friend whom I'm photographing. Can you please explain, am I seeing a spirit face? And then would that spirit be aware of us? Okay, the likelihood is what you've seen there. Is it Deborah? Uh, Debbie, yeah. Debbie, is you've seen a, um, an imprint. We sort of think about imprints on the, on, the, on the atmosphere and that each one of us that live, leave our own imprint. Now, what you're picking up there is an imprint it's not an actual sentient creature that can talk back to you it's just an image almost like um, some people call them can call them replay ghosts or ghosts that react to different stimuli within a room but what you've actually got there is a an imprint of a face so no it won't communicate with you no it won't interact with you and it's very unlikely that it knows that you're there although there is a possibility it might pick up on your energy that gives it a chance to manifest and that could be the trigger to this ghost or to this face being there it's actually using your body energy to project that picture 
which is quite nice because it means that if you walk in and there's nothing there, then there is something there. You've actually created that cause and effect. You've actually created that moment. And it could be that that you've actually experienced. Is there anything else that Debbie asked on that apart from the, is it real? Uh, yeah, she basically she said, why do some people see ghosts and others who want to desperately just don't? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that maybe we get to a point where we don't relax enough or we don't put ourselves in a position to believe what we're seeing. You know, the, there's plenty of skeptics out there that would say, well, I've never seen a ghost. Well, you never expect to see a ghost. They just literally don't really go in there thinking it's ever going to happen. A bit like when I met the alien. I didn't think it was an alien. I just hoped that I might get an answer that scared the living daylights out of me. So <laughs> it's, it's that whole concept of where your perception, where your thought is. And if you can actually think something, the chances are you'll pick up something if it's around. If you go in there thinking you're not going to see anything, well, your mind's closed, your whole thoughts are closed, the whole possibility. And the chances are that if you see something, you'll find a rational explanation for what you've seen. You mean, yes. and let's face it, you mean, on perhaps 90% of all paranormal sightings, there's a rational explanation that we need to seek. So we need to find that, that rationality. But there are sightings that we can't explain. You know, things like orbs and faces and imprints of people that give you know the you know you can pick up on their their keysit record so you can pick up a, an imprint of who they are and those things we haven't quite explained yet and i think that sometimes people try to explain them away by saying they have psychic ability well maybe psychic ability is just being able to understand that there's more to this one-dimensional world that we live in to what we actually see so there's things that we don't know, but it doesn't make them anything out of the ordinary. It just makes that we don't understand why they're there. And if we want to find out why they're there, we have to be able to pick up that when they are there and work out why they would be there. Yes. Okay. This last question I've got here, um, we're, we're switching now to time travellers. Anna from Sydney in Australia asks, do you believe in time travellers? And she also wants to know that if a traveller from the past visits us now and then returns back, would they return back with the coronavirus? Yeah, very, very relevant, very topical. Thank you. What's her name, Anna? Anna. Yeah. Hi, Anna. Thanks for listening to the Twist of the Misunderstood podcast. It's an um, interesting question that you pose. Um, I don't believe in time. I believe in dimensional shifts. So I know we have to live under time, but I think it's a man-made concept. But yes, I do believe we can actually interact with different phases of history because everything that's happening has happened or is happening or is going to be around us. So we can go into any part of time. Now, to explain that, I don't look at time as a linear line, a straight line. It's not. You don't start off on one day and you go to the, the end of the earth. What time for me is a circle that you can actually um, dissect at any point that you really want to. That's a part of what time is. So if you can see it as a circle, then you can travel to any point on that circle and also get back. Because there's one thing, traveling through time is another thing to return back to your own time, isn't it? You wouldn't want to be stuck in the past or in the future 
you, you want to be able to travel, you know, backwards and forwards. The other thing that time travelers might bring is a way of being able to understand the history of their, their world. Now, I think there's certain things that are time related, you know, a bit like if you've heard of Rendlesham Forest, they reckon that was time travelers from the year 1832, I think, was the was the quote in um, Pendlesham's um, book, his little book of, um, of Morse code that he, you know, he, he got this sort of code, you know, dots and, bi oh, yeah, yeah, yes. the binary code. Yes, I do, yeah. And, and it comes out that we are here for the survival of mankind. Well, that could be our ancestors actually coming back and just giving us a bit of a warning. So time travel could happen in this to and fro sort of area. Another interesting thing about time travel while we're talking about it is the um, the, the crop circles. Um, I heard someone say the other day that a crop circle is like a time stamp. So time travelers know where they are when they go backwards and forwards. Because if you're going into a different time or a different dimension, how do you know where you are? And if crop circles are little time stamps, so you know your time, your date, and your date, then that's going to really, really assist people that travel interdimensionally through time mm -hmm. or through our perception of time. Because we might call them time travelers, but they might just be interdimensional travelers. And we might not really understand it unless we put time in, in there. But definitely a possibility and definitely well worth thinking about looking at old photographs and trying to find modern people in old photographs or even old people in modern photographs. Because sometimes we don't see what doesn't look, what doesn't fit because we're not looking. But if you look at um, Charlie Chaplin, the circus at the beginning of that, which is filmed in 1926, there's a, a lady supposedly with huge feet. It looks more like a man, but it's dressed as a lady talking on a mobile phone in 1926. So unless I've mistaken little bits and pieces for the obvious, that to me is quite clearly a time traveler, which would then point to the existence. I hope that answers your question. Is that I it think you've, you've covered everything. Um, fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for all your questions. Remember, if you've got any more, we'll do one of these every now and again to answer any questions coming in. Thank you for everyone that's posed something different towards us. And I hope that you've actually learned a little bit or I've given you something to think about or something to look towards to go and find your own answers because everything is out there. Everything has an answer. It's just sometimes we haven't quite advanced quite far enough to understand where the answers are. But there is nothing paranormal, nothing we can't explain and nothing that we can't experience. Do
we're going away and you're invited too. If you want to come and spend a day, an evening, a morning with us, we can arrange that right now. The Twisted and Misunderstood Paranormal Podcast is going to be at a retreat in a small village in Cambridgeshire, England. If you want to come and stay, you can perfectly do that. But you must let us know because places are very limited. We try to keep any sort of um, courses and workshops, masterclasses to a very few so we can all have a really good time connecting and making the most of some time together. So if you want to know more, come on to my Facebook page, which is Dominic J. Zenden, or email me at auraprofiling at gmail.com. Email auraprofiling at at gmail.com. That's the address that you should just send me a little inquiry, and I will write back and share with you how much it would cost, the criteria, what we're going to do, and what you expect to achieve by coming. It's uh, it's a really nice, fun, relaxing time and a really peaceful country location. I think you'll have a lot of fun with us. So just come on. If you want to know anything about any of the activities that we're planning for this year ahead, 2021, now that we're not so restricted, again, come on to my email and just drop me a a quick email. Say, can you send me details of courses and workshops? And I can do that for you. And then you never know. In the next few months, we could be meeting up and we could be discussing such things as shadow ghosts and alien life and past lives and does life exist after death, all that sort of stuff that we we do at our, our master classes. So look forward to meeting you. You have been listening to the Paranormal Podcast on Twisted and Misunderstood by Alison and Dominic Zenden. If you want to listen more, there's plenty of archives. You can listen to any one of 50 podcasts here on Anchor or on any of the other podcast suppliers like Google or Spotify. There is also a whole website behind this, which is at MindSite. And you can go on there and you can read all about the things that Alison and myself get involved with. And don't forget the actual couple of nights away in a Cambridgeshire location. If you want to come and meet us and talk about the paranormal or learn about psychic development or anything that may interest you that we do here on this podcast, 
this is the ideal location to come and do it. It's beautifully peaceful and the food is amazing. You'll have a great time with us. So if you want to do that, come and talk to us here on the Twisted and Misunderstood podcast. All music on Twisted and Misunderstood is by kind permission of Mel West McWaters. If you want to get in touch with Mel, just go on to her SoundCloud page, which is SoundCloud and Mel West McWaters, and you can actually talk to her about the things that she does, how she teaches music and guitars and all the other things that she does. She's a wonderful lady, and if you have anything you need, jingle-wise or musical-wise or any fascination about learning an instrument, go and talk to Mel, and she's a brilliant person. She'll put you into that right place where you you could too become somebody that would have that brilliant understanding of music. So go and talk to Mel West, Matt Waters, and we all here appreciate the work that she does for us at Twisted and Misunderstood. <laughs>